Welcome to All Things Church Planting, a podcast dedicated to empathize with and empower the church planter. We aim to walk alongside you in your unique calling through real stories and relevant topics. We're a production of the 80 plus million initiative of the Central Region of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. You can check us out at 80plusmillion.org. Here are your hosts, Justin Thornton, coming from Glass City, USA, and Todd Sovine, coming from his aggressively creepy basement. Church Planting World. Church Planting World. This is All Things Church Planting, episode number five, installment number five. Today we have Adam Harper from Chapel Hill. Adam Harper from Chapel Hill. They're a 120-year-old church. 120 years, and guess what they're doing? They're planting a Filipino church and a deaf church, or helping at least, inside their own building. Look at my face. Look at my face. Come on now. You can't get this anywhere else. This is All Things Church Planting. I hope you enjoy the show. What's going on, Church Planting World? This is once again All Things Church Planting, and this is a church planting podcast coming out of a movement called the 80 plus million initiative. This initiative is part of the central region of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And since we're a handful of episodes in give or take, we thought it'd be a good time to take a minute and tell you about the birth of this initiative. What's the genesis? Where do we get that number from? What do we care about and how can you join it? Who better to tell you about that than the leader of the initiative? His name is Todd Sovine and he's my co-host. How you doing, sir? Doing well, Justin, you? I'm doing good. Todd, seven or so men in a basement had this moment where we were given a call from someone else and said, you're supposed to do this. And we decided we don't really want to do that. We have this, what, what our founder calls holy audacity. We, we, at least we hope it's holy. We know it's audacity. And, and we came up with this audacious idea. Can you tell us about this idea and initiative? Yeah, that was pretty vague uh, there. Somebody asked us to do something and we did something else. And thanks. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so Uh, Some of the leaders of the Christian Missionary Alliance uh, came to us and said, hey, would you guys be willing to work together uh, to see the advancement of the kingdom, specifically through church planting? And we thought, you know, uh, if we're willing to lock arms, share resources and partner, we can accomplish more. And so we began to uh, spend some time with the Lord and say, what's our responsibility and uh, Jesus quickly reminded us of the numbers around us. And we started doing just simply adding the numbers up. Uh, how many people live in this state and this state and this state and this state. And uh, by the time we were done, we'd come up with a number close to 80 million. And yet we recognize that in the context of that 80 million, uh, there are a whole lot of people that aren't being counted right now. And there are a whole lot of people that Jesus loves and that uh, we have a responsibility of communicating the love and truth of Jesus too. And so we put the plus uh, mm-hmm. on the end of that. And so uh, from there, once we understood our responsibility, we began to ask, how do you reach 80 plus million people and typical church world uh, you typically try to come up with some programs, more programs for churches to run, for people to try to execute. And the problem with programs is programs come and programs go. Uh, and so we said, what does it look like to create a culture that permeates and transforms uh, 80 plus million people? It, it's, it's a long, harder route to go when it's when it comes to 
getting people to embrace culture, to, to, to jump into culture shift and those kind of things. And yet we're beginning to see some traction take place. And that culture that we're trying to create consists of five main elements, a culture of divine expectation and engagement, believing Jesus is up to something in us, around us, and through us. And he's inviting us to be part of it. That divine expectation engagement leads to another dynamic of the culture, and that's disciple-making discipleship. How do we help people fall in love with Jesus, become like Jesus, and live on mission with Jesus? And, and, and the, the better we are at creating that culture within our church, in our church plants, in our context, uh, two things are going to happen. You're going to see emerging leaders uh, rise to the surface and say, if that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I want more. I want in and they're going to need developed. And the other side of that is there are going to be congregations church-wide that are going to say, look, if this is what it really means to be a follower of Christ, uh, we can't just simply come on a Sunday morning, sit down, listen to somebody talk at us, throw some money in the plate, and call it quits. And so we, 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 we're beginning to see ministries be mobilized. And I think that's part of what's going to happen in the story today is we're going to hear about a ministry that's being mobilized. And when ministries are mobilized and leaders are identified and developed, you end up with kingdom advancement, which is the fifth part of that cultural dynamic. And so uh, that, that's the culture that we're trying to create in the central region. Uh, you can check it out at 80plusmillion.org. That's good. That's good. One of the greatest things about uh, working in this region is we get to be a part of stories and hear stories, uh, and those stories affect other stories. Uh, my man Adam Harper is at Chapel Hill Church. He's out here stretching the tent of the kingdom. Uh, they're planting two churches inside of their church. One is Filipino, and my wife is Filipino, so he's already on my favorites list. Uh, and one is a deaf church, and the deaf community is one of the most unreached people groups that we know of. So this is an exciting interview of someone who's trying to stretch the kingdom uh, and, and expand its reach. And I mean, get, it's talking about get out of their box. Adam, say hello first. How are you, Adam? Okay. Thanks for having me on. Good. Yeah. H how old is your church? Yeah, we, we have a, it's about 122 years old. Yep. Okay. Okay. So at 121, you're deciding we want to stretch the kingdom this way. Well, I mean, I've, I haven't been here the whole time, so, you know, I, I've got a little bit of a window. So. <laughs> but yeah, we're, it's the idea is just uh, the cultural shift, and that's a huge deal within most churches. And I think we found ourselves in a place where a lot of churches are now, and it's the idea of trying to figure out how to get outside of ourselves for the kingdom purposes. Yeah. Tell us the story of Chapel Hill Church. Where, where are you guys located? What's the makeup? Yeah, it's a great question because it's shifting. Um, I think this is once again where a lot of churches find themselves. Uh, what we see happening is there's a lot of churches that have been around for decades and a little over a century in some cases. And so they've had this uh, culture that's been um, growing within them for a while. We were a pretty white collar Caucasian church for quite some time. And uh, when things started shifting around here in the, this part of Cuyahoga Falls, as well as the north part of Akron, uh, what we've seen is that there's a lot of Bhutanese refugees that have been dumped into the area. Uh, we're also, like uh, Todd mentioned, there's a deaf community, and there's not really a deaf church in Akron. Uh, and you know that in a city of uh, about 200,000, plus all the surrounding areas, uh, let's say approximately another 100,000 at least, there's got to be a deaf community. And we knew that there would be. Um, and then we just had an opportunity with the Filipino uh, community. And once again, these are two uh, cultural shifts that, you know, we, we, we're not really effective in reaching them. Um, or by ourselves, but we can certainly work with someone else. And how can we empower them to have a kingdom footprint in those communities, um, in those cultures within our community? 
so we started kind of looking in on that and trying to figure out like, well, what, what does that look like and how can we be of, of assistance to that? So we certainly had a cultural shift in that within our church, um, but we don't necessarily look very different as of yet. Uh, but what we do see is that there is a, uh, a unique brotherhood between the cultures and they see that we are working, we're willing to extend our hand and say, come, let, let's see how we can help and assist in uh, furthering the kingdom together. Yeah, Adam, you were, uh, you were at the church in a, in a different role uh, prior to becoming the lead guy there. And um, so you've been in this lead role for a little, little while. Uh, you've actually been hanging around uh, for quite a while uh, with thinking about kingdom advancement and those kind of things. I mean, way back in the day, you and I talked about you planting a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, see, I told you you were going to get involved at some point. It just didn't <laughs> right. happen this way. Right. Yeah. Um, but tell us a little bit about how you got to the place of going, all right, now's the time. We've we got to open our doors to whatever Jesus wants to do uh, with this deaf church planting effort with a Filipino uh, planting effort. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so with being at the church, I've been here for about 11 and a half years. I've been a lead guy for close to four years. Um, and so what we've seen is like that shift and the church is struggling and uh, really when I took over, there was not a lot of hope that there'd be a lot of turnaround uh, or chance to turn around because a lot of churches are in a similar place. And so when we came in, we started just having little things happening. Uh, for example, um, one of the first things we did is we put mulch down. I know it has nothing to do with church planting, but bear with me. Um, but we had, we had, uh, we put some mulch down cause we hadn't put mulch down for like seven years. And uh, so when we put mulch down, you better believe I stood out front and said, did everybody see the new mulch, you know? And so we see these little victories. We, we resealed the parking lot. We put, did something with the platform up front and little things like that all the way to this place where we even had plans to put money into and not an exorbitant amount, but just put money into uh, modernizing our building. And I said, but when we modernize the building, I want us to modernize it in a way where we use it, not just for ourselves, but how can we make this attractive for other churches to use? And uh, to, to, I don't know, to build off of that, the idea was, I, I told Todd this a little while ago, but I, at one time I went to this place where they had, they, the ladies, they had haircuts, they give salons, whatever have you. And you go down this hallway and each person has a little area that they get, and they have their own little business in its own little area. So they have basically 20 little salons in this hallway. And I'm like, man, that would be unique to see something like that happen in a church. Uh, right next to us is a dying mall. There's almost nothing left in it. I said, in my mind, just I, this is how I think. I'm like, man, how neat would it be to walk in and there's Chapel Hill Church and where Penny's was. And then there's a Bhutanese church over here. And then there's a Filipino church over here and, uh, where there was Victoria's Secret or whatever it is. There, there's, there's, <laughs> there's all these different churches, but we're together. But we're all, it's a kingdom place. And uh, there's opportunities for that. There's places to do that online that I'd love to see happen online. Uh, but there's places, and I said, you know what? Our church, we, we, we use it on Sundays. We use it on Thursdays but that means it's not being used on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or, or Friday or Saturday. And we got this big building. And so we started talking to different people like really recovered and Ken Hawkins. And they said, well, we'll come in Tuesday. And then we started talking to signs of grace and they said, well, we can come in on Saturday. Uh, the point of all that is how did we get, how did we come from where we were to where we are today? I think it comes into this idea that we, we decided that even though we can take care of things here, we can certainly keep on adding to our building and adding to these, these nice things for us, we're, we're only reaching so many and we are desperate to see something shift. We're not so much worried about our, and it sounds tricky. I get it. I'm not worried about attendance. I'm not worried about um, 
uh, finances really all that much. What I'm worried about is, are we seeing people come to know Jesus? Are we seeing churches planted? Are we helping to revitalize churches? And are we seeing people discipled? And if we're taking care of those four things, I think everything else will take care of itself. So just beating that drum and celebrating the wins. And when Really Recovered comes in, we celebrate that. And we try to partner with them and have services and things like that. And we're planning to do the same things with Signs of Grace and with, uh, with the Filipino church as well. We want to build a kingdom community. And we don't want it to just be a Chapel Hill church silo. We want this to be a kingdom piece where we're, we are pushing forward. I think one of the biggest problems that we see in the church world today is we're really focused on church health. And, and that's not necessarily wrong. We're so focused on church health that we've neglected kingdom advancement. But if we focus on kingdom advancement, the byproduct will be a healthy church. Yeah, that's the whole point of, of mobilized ministries. You know, early on when we were talking about culture, we thought, you know, is, is this the health that the church health part of the culture. And we said, yeah, sometimes church health is, is the end in itself. And really it's not, it's a means to the end of advancing the kingdom. And so we said, we're not going to call it church health. We're going to call it mobilizing ministries and mobilized ministries actually have to carry a sense of health with them in order to be mobilized effectively. Hey, real quick, how did you bump into the two church planters? How'd you bump into the deaf guy and how'd you bump into the Filipino guy? Yeah, I think they both basically happened at a district conference. And I think there's this unrest within me, uh, but there's also the unrest, I think, because of the culture of our church. We started seeing that the little victories we were seeing, like the mulch, blacktop, and so forth, that that's great, but that's, and even the re, re, the renovation of the building, it's great, but that's not the kingdom result. We're hungry for something else, you know? And so we're trying, we're having outreach and that sort of thing, but there's this kind of unrest within me uh, specifically, but I th- believe also within some of our leadership of our church. And so I'm seeing a district conference and uh, I, th- I believe the first one was uh, Joe Dixon. And I just happened to look up at, over him and he was up front and watching as uh, they were signing for him to be able to, to follow everything along. And uh, I wrote a note out to him and I basically just said, I think we should work together. I think there's an opportunity in Akron. And uh, I didn't know that Joe spoke really well. If you've t- spoken to Joe, he might not even know that he was, he was deaf at all because um, he reads lips really well. Well, I didn't know that. So I handed him the note and I expected him to kind of give me an okay sign with his hand. And he just looked up at me and he's like, I think this is a good idea. And I was like, holy cow, okay, you know. Um, <laughs> So I, we started the conversation there, uh, there, but, you know, we exchanged information and that, that relationship built on from there. The Filipino church was interesting. Um, Roger Abe shared a story about finding a Filipino person in Cuyahoga Falls. I, I'll leave that one there. Um, but when he said that, I'm like, Cuyahoga Falls, that's, that's, that's me. That's us. That's Chapel Hill Church. And, you know, talking about Akron, I'm like, that's, that's us. We're right here on the border. And so, I gave him my information as well, and we started our conversation. And basically what they, I said is like, you know, we'd be willing to help out and some, somewhat financially. We're not a rich church, but we can help out in some things. And what we've also seen is that we have plenty of space. We can certainly provide space. And if there's other ways that we can help launch this thing, by all means, let us know what you think and let's have conversations. And uh, what we've seen from this in our own congregation is, is for example, this is just one example is uh we have we had a guy come up to me he's like i i love what's happening i want in on this here and he gave us a check for several thousand dollars and says whatever you need for those church plants you let me know and if if you want to plant more churches use it for that let's just keep on pushing into this thing and that's the cultural shift that goes from well i guess the church could use a little bit you could use some offering to now there's vision now now i get it now i buy into it now let's invest in it now let's push into this and that's what we see once again kingdom work 
developing into a healthier church. And that, that's why I believe it's vitally important for the focus not to be like, how, how can we be better about getting everything we want and say, how can we get Jesus out there to a world that desperately needs him? Man, I'm going to need that guy. I'm going to need that guy's name and uh, uh, his mine. phone number on, on speed dial. <laughs> uh, for kingdom purposes. <laughs> yeah. Adam, I love that, man. I love, I love the story. And not just because I think you're the only person I know that had, had a strong revelation inside of a salon. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I need one now, man. But. <laughs> yeah. we, we all do a little bit. Um, yeah. So, because I'm, I'm just thinking through like uh, Genesis, uh, Genesis 11, like I, I feel like one of their, their, their greatest sin is that they're trying to build a tower for their own legacy. Exactly. Even though in Genesis nine and one, God is like, expand my kingdom, um, you know, be fruitful, multiply, subdue. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that you guys are like, it doesn't, our legacy doesn't really matter. Even though you guys have a pretty strong one. I mean, you're 120 some years in, you're saying we need to, we need the kingdom to be light here. We need the kingdom to expand. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that really doesn't, you know that doesn't make that doesn't mean our own resources uh are, are inward focused that means our, our own resources are outward focused and so I, I love the heart behind that now it's because because you're 120 some years in um is it hard to motivate change mindset and uh move people that have been in in a similar spot for i don't know decades some of them i'm sure yeah that's a great question and i think um there's a lot of different ways to go with this, but I'll start with this. I think one of the biggest things that really um, kind of sparked the fire, if you will, is that there was a desperation. Or if you remember, I said when I, when I kind of took over that there was a very, we were in a really difficult spot and they knew that the things that we were doing could not continue and we could, and for us to stay alive. And so there, it, it said, okay, well, what can we do? And so you take that and you built that trust that you've had, because I've been here for about six and a half, seven years when that happened. And all of a sudden we're able to say, okay, you guys know that I'm here with you. We're in the midst of the craziness, but I'm, I'm going to, we're going to be in this together. And the first thing I said to them is don't, don't, don't give up on Chapel Hill Church. She's beautiful. And you're going to see down the road that God's going to do something. And so really with that, uh, we took that and, and we started seeing those victories starting to grow and the momentum starting to build, but then we saw it was beyond us. And so certainly there's always going to be tension and the tension can be a great thing if it's, if it's navigated well. Um, but I think what, what is really important is while kingdom initiatives are sometimes uh, kind of ambiguous on the tail end of it and knowing exactly where it's going to land, but you can see that they, what we do know, you do what you do know and you don't walk, you don't, just kind of flippantly go out there and say, Hey guys, we're just going to go do this. There does need to be some sort of plan in that, but you don't know where the exact destination is. I like to say, I know where the zip code is where God's leading us, but I don't always know where the address is. Um, one of the things that stuck around is that uh, we had, where we know God is leading, uh, having faith that he will provide uh, the destination when we get, as we get closer. Um, the reality is that, you know, we lost some people in that. Uh, some people would rather have the security piece. Some people would rather be invested in themselves and say, well, I give money because I want this to happen. And I, I appreciate that. And I love that. And it's not that I think different, think poorly of you if you have that mindset, but if God's leading us in this way, I, I don't have an option. I, I need to do what he's telling me to do. And so he's not telling me to, for some of these comforts that we're looking for, he's telling me we need to reach people for Jesus. And there's a deaf community that doesn't have a church in all of Akron. 
and there's a we don't have a Filipino church in all of Akron that I know of. And there's other things that we're talking about. The Bhutanese, for example, that I said, the refugees, that's another thing that I'm trying to work toward. Uh, we, we need a Bhutanese Alliance church in Akron. There, there are tens of thousands being dumped in the, in the Akron area every year, and we need to find a way to reach them. And on and on and on, there are all these kingdom initiatives. And so when the people, the point of all that is when people come together and they say, I do see that need, and wait, that, that's starting. And, and, and the people are actually coming to know Jesus and we can tar- partner with them and like really recovered just joined in with us on some things. And I know Joe, I've seen him on some videos and whatnot. And I'm just bringing him to speak. They start building the relationships and they see something beyond themselves. And that's vital. Yeah. Uh, Adam, I appreciate your tenacity in your leadership uh, through this. Um, you've, you've navigated the, the intricacies, the fine line between pushing too hard and not pushing enough, and uh, the Lord's used you in that. Uh, could you take a moment and sort of summarize some things that God has taught you specifically about leadership uh, in, in helping people transition their mindsets and their hearts from beyond themselves to those around them that are lost? Yeah. Um, once again, this is one of those questions I can go into about a hundred different ways. I think what the, the biggest thing, the most the biggest revelation for me is this. Um, I need to know who I am, self-leadership, and I need to know how I respond to people. Um, and so, for for example, in some of the uh, Alliance lingo with the uh, SDI, I'm a red-green. Um, but if you look at the APEST and what we see from Ephesians 4, like the Alan Hirsch version of this thing, um, I, I'm, I have the apostolic gifting. I like to move. I like the bigger picture and that sort of thing. Um, that's a big deal for me. And I'll, let me explain why briefly. I, I think the first 15 to 17 years, I really, really struggled in ministry because a lot of churches aren't led uh, with that type of mindset, with that type of personality. In fact, if you see a lot of, you don't see a lot of pastors with those things um, because it's not, and not being critical of how the church is run necessarily, but there's not a place for that. We're stirring the waters, if you will. We're, we're trying to push things. We want to see things happen. And as a youth pastor, one of the responses a lot of times is, well, that's great, but take care of the youth, you know? Um, and then we, I'm in a situation at Chapel Hill where I've been here for a while. And, um, but I'm, I've always been wired that way, but it's, you know, I'm not the highly compassionate guy. If someone's looking, I'm, I'm concerned with this big picture. And sometimes the smaller picture is harder for me to focus on. So I come to this church that's full of these shepherds and teachers, and they're great at it. They, they're, they're really warm. We have a family feel to our church. And so there's, um, there's a cultural thing here. You know, uh, When you have an apostle kind of leading a, shepherd, a group of shepherds and teachers, uh, the great thing is that there's this trust that says, you know, okay, I love you guys. I, I'm gonna, and Dan Scarrell was leading the uh, SDI at that time. He's like, Adam's going to do things really different than you're used to. And so there's this warning, but there's also for me this understanding that these people are loving, shepherding, compassionate people. They're not going to think like I am. So I'm going to have to package this thing a little differently as I'm presenting to them. They need to see that this, it's not necessarily safe, but it is obedience. And it's not necessarily going to be the easiest thing, but there is a greater result on the other side of this. So how can I do that? And strategically, you kind of have to sit down, even with your conversations, and talk to people so that they understand biblically why we do this and why, if you know, it's not safe, it's really the right thing to do. And so that took some time, obviously, but they also, I think they've always believed that I've had my, the, their best interest in mind. There's been a couple of times that they've kind of let out the, the kite string, if you will, and said, let's see, let's just see. Uh, I mean, Adam's crazy. Let's just see what happens. And I, I feel like almost every time that they've done that, 
Um, it's come back because I've thought it through. I'm not just acting on a whim. Uh, but they've, they've seen that there's been some kind of like kingdom result from that, even if it's not what we expected. For example, and this is church planting, um, but there's the piece where it's the pushing us. Uh, we didn't do any outreach when, before. Um, and so I said, well, let's, let's do a fall fest. And they're like, well, that's, what, what, just for our people? I'm like, no, for everybody. Let's just invite everybody. And we had a couple hundred people come through and they, were, they blew their mind on like what we, we didn't expect this at all. How in the world would we, we didn't think we had that, that capacity. We didn't think they had that ability. But then from that, from something about outreach, I say, well, what if we help plant a church? Well, we don't have the, we don't have the ability to do that. Yes, we do. We really do. And so the cultural shift, the cultural mindset from that is that the church can see um, beyond themselves. And as a leader, I think we're called, we're called to lead them there. And sometimes if we don't have that mindset, we, 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 it's really hard for, for us to push into that. But if we know and we, we're looking for that, and we have, we're praying about it, and we see God leading us, we need to lead them there. We, we need to lead up, raise up the leaders, as you mentioned, and tell them that this is where we're leading people to, and I need you to be on board with this. And from that, we do see that there's some people that are going to walk away from it. And I mean, that's, that's going to happen, and I don't love it, but it's what happens. But we, the people who are with us, God's given them to us for a reason. And how are we leading them to a kingdom goal and a kingdom result? Yeah, yeah, it's our responsibility. <laughs> I, I say things rather harshly sometimes, but that's yeah. that's just kind of how I see it. You know? No, you're looking at a couple other red green uh, <laughs> right. apostle prophets. So, so we're in the same boat here. Uh, but yeah, yeah. at the same time, it is our natural bent to say we don't have the resources, we don't have the people. Uh, but our God is huge. You know, we'll preach yeah. how big our God is, and we'll preach how generous He is, and how His kingdom flows. But, yeah. but. I mean, when, when it comes to, all right, well, let's take a risk. Let's take a faithful risk. We tend to button it up and, and, and wear a suit and say, it's, it's just not our time. So yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate, and I also, uh, I, I pray that your apostolic bent can lead into other parts of your district and lead others. Yep. Yeah, Adam, uh, man, it's a beautiful story of, how your church is beginning to take the fullness of what the apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4:11 that there are some who are apostles, yes. some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds, some teachers. And if, if the church can learn to have a healthy interdependence upon each other and trust each other, that when the apostolic speaks and says, let's go, everybody else goes, man, dude's crazy, but let's go <laughs> because that's how God's wired him. And when others say, Hey, you know what we need to take care of and shepherd, uh, there's enough trust to go, yep, that's right, because that's how God's wired them. Let's equip them, empower them, release them to do what God's wired them to do. Uh, we probably need to get you back on another episode to talk about how that that whole interdependent leadership thing is working out and some of the trials and challenges that are there. Anything else that you'd say, man, I've learned a lot, uh, uh, particularly about how to lead people through transition in these in these moments? Yeah, I think, I mean, number one, I would love that. I Alan Hirsch has blown up my mind. But anyway, with that, there is, I, I wrote this down real quick. I think, and it can be harsh and I don't intend it for that, but I think a lot of times we have to be careful as believers because when we begin asking, how can we possibly do this? It's a sure sign that we're, we're not relying on the spirit of God or somewhere down the road, we've stopped relying on him. And so with, with the culture of the church, going back to that, with the culture of the church, we, we see there's going to be a lot of questions. Um, and I think if I was talking and hopefully am talking to uh, some people who are trying to bridge this gap, 
you need to be prepared for the questions. And one of the things I see um, leaders fail in is when they are asked questions, and some of them are quality questions, they get very defensive. And because I want to do this, I need to do this. Uh, the other side is that people can be, especially people who have some red in them or kind of apostolic, um, they, they, they can be a bull in a china shop. You need to sit back and almost, you have the idea, you have the vision. Now, let me, let me process how this can come about in a way that people who are not like me will understand and realize that we're doing this together and it's not just me. Uh, certainly, I have the, uh, the opportunity and the propensity, if I'm not uh, mature in my, uh, or growing, um, I have the propensity to just kind of be run off and just do it myself. Um, one of my big fears, I, I don't know if you remember the scene from Braveheart. I think it's okay to mention Braveheart. It's, it's a great movie, right? Okay. So when you mentioned Braveheart, is a scene where he has all the other clans around him in the field, right? And he goes down with his guys and he starts taking out the Englishmen and everything else. And he's supposed to wave this big flag and everybody else is supposed to come down and finish him off, right? I don't know if you remember the scene, but William Wallace is down in the field and he starts waving the flag and everybody just turns around and walks away. And I think that's the danger if we go off half cocked without the plan when we're trying to say, we're leaving our church, we're going. And you don't really have them. And the whole idea is to bring them with you. So often I've seen in my, my limited capacity that we, we pastors come in, they see their church at point A, and they say, well, I know we need to go to point B, but what they don't realize is that they're standing at point C, and they're coming across that standing at point C and saying, you guys need to go there. And really what we need to do is we need to join in the family at point A and say, come on, guys, let's all go here together. It's really about this idea of locking arms with your church. And you're, I know that in some cases, there's some really rough leadership things that guys are walking into. But as much as possible, find the people in your church that are willing to lock arms with you as you're moving into kingdom, kingdom uh, initiatives and, and just start walking down that pathway before you. I believe there's always going to be opportunities. I mean, even in, during COVID-19, there's opportunities to reach people for Jesus. Let's find a way to do it and let's be about it. I mean, that's, that's, that's my mindset. So find the people in your congregation that are willing to lock arms with you and say, when you say, let's fight, figure this out. And they, sooner or later, there's going to be at least a few that will lock arms with you and will empower you to chase after the vision God's given you. Yeah. Yeah. This is, that's a good Braveheart speech in general. <laughs> right. The, the, whole, <laughs> the whole idea is, is Braveheart-esque. I like it. Okay. <laughs> sure. So, so let me ask you this because there's another side to this and I know that people are going to be listening. They're like, well, we have a nice building and we have a blank ethnicity in our town that needs needs a home. We want to do that. Uh, there's gotta be some tension juggling multiple cultures. Uh, I can think of, because I, 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 my wife grew up in a, in a monoculture church, a Filipino church and how robust that, that culture is their, their food and their language and their history and their, and their interaction. I mean, and, and that takes up a building, right? So, yeah. so, and now you're talking about juggling a deaf community and really recovered, how do you juggle so many cultures in one place? That's a great question. I've, and the hope is that as you've gotten to this place, the, the uh, church will understand it's going to be a little different. For example, and I, this is a great lesson. We actually helped launch another as a Bhutanese church. And they weren't an alliance church, but they were looking for a place to meet. And uh, basically what I, I mean, they, they, you have to understand the Bhutanese community this is a great lesson for us. The Bhutanese community, by and large, were born and raised in tents, and they were at refugee camps in Nepal. And so they, they legitimately, they lived in tents and surrounded by a fence, and it was a free-for-all. They just kind of 
lived out of the tents. And so it was a whole different world for them. Uh, they didn't have, they, we have, a, we have, we have all these issues that we, we had to wrestle with that they're louder. They don't have any sense of time whatsoever. Their organizational piece, they don't, they, they don't have organization. Uh, if they say they're going to be at 1030, it might be 1230 when they start. And we, we need you guys to wrap up at 130. Well, we're done at 330, you know, uh, we were going to help them with transportation and whatnot. And that, of course, set everything in craziness. And so the point of all that is that really changed some things up. And, uh, you know, we, we, can, we come into church, and this is just a silly thing, but coming to church, and for some reason, our church smells like curry. Well, yes, of course it does. You know, it's just a different world. And so they decided that they wanted to launch. And what we did is we had them pay us rent for the, in this case, but we gave it all back to them so they could actually rent a, a space for them to uh, have a little closer in North Hill area. And so that was a huge learning piece for us. Was it highly successful? I mean, I don't know, but it was a huge learning piece. And so what we have to understand is um, when we come into, um, like if we walk into the, the church and the, and the Signs of Grace is meeting, uh, we might hear some banging like on a table or on the wall. And so what that is, though, is that's them playing Uno because that's how they say Uno. They bang on a table um, and they handle things differently. And, they, you know, we, we walk in and we know there's like 25 people there, but it's silent. And what's going on? It's a different world. And with the Filipino church, they already, they've already said, well, we're going to have a lot of meals. I'm like, well, we have a kitchen. And like, you do, you know, and we can, we can have the kitchen, you can have the cafeteria, you can make this work. And what we had to do for all this to work and have the hopes with really recovered and hopefully other churches as we move forward is uh, we had to, we, we, we had this wonderful woman that she basically volunteered um, to do this. She was going to be our facilities manager. And it came up because one of our elders said we could be even more effective if we had someone organizing this, we could reach even more people if someone organized the building. I'm like, that's a great idea. I had a conversation with this wonderful woman and guess what? She's like, I would love to do that. And then all of a sudden we have this wonderful online calendar where we know exactly what's happening through the week and who's meeting here and what time, what the plans are and so forth. And oh, by the way, we have a school here too. I mean, so there, there's all sorts of different things that are happening all around this building, but this is a kingdom resource. God has graciously given us this building for kingdom purposes. He's not graciously given us this building so we can just meet here on Sundays. He's not graciously given us this building so that we can have something that looks really nice and aesthetically pleasing from the road. This is a strategic location for the kingdom. And so how can we use it for such? And I think that when we grab our mind, was started to wrap around that, we started saying, well, how else can we use this building? How else can we use our resources? And what can we do to reach people for Jesus? Have you given any thought to how you clone yourself? Um, I, I'm trying, but you know, uh, there's some people that don't like that idea. <laughs> yeah, we, need a, yeah. we need a few more of you around this 80 plus million thing. Well, I mean, it's a, and that's the beauty of this though, is what you just said is, is huge for me because it's me walking in how I'm wired. Once again, going back to that self-awareness thing for 15 to 17 years or so in ministry, I felt like the outsider, uh, because a lot of our churches aren't, aren't, don't have that mindset. We, we, we love, and I'm not knocking anybody, but they're shepherds or teachers and an apostle's really threatening and people feel very threatened by that and put that off. And so I think when you get an apostle type personality and you guys know this in the right spot, Lord only knows what it can happen. And you get people to follow that person. Oh my goodness. It's like the body's working as it should. As like we see in Ephesians four. Yeah. Amen. Adam, uh, I, I know personally, uh, from, from these guys that are planting in your, in your facility uh, and how grateful they are 
for all that you're doing to pave a, a way for them to come into their into your community. It's a, it's a beautiful story because these guys have a multiplication mentality. They've they've planted Joe planted a deaf church in Cleveland, and now there's this call to Akron. Uh, Roger planted a Filipino church in Austintown, and there is been an open door and a call to Akron. And um, I want to just reaffirm to you how the Lord's using you to see dreams become realities. Uh, And um, it's just a beautiful testimony of what Jesus is doing in your church uh, and through your leadership. And um, thanks for, for your willingness to really embrace uh, some of the some of the heartache at times uh, that you have had to endure uh, getting to this place. Uh, if you were, if you had the chance to to talk to, <clears throat> just put it in this language, other Anglo pastors <laughs> um, that 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 are listening in potentially, not not necessarily church planters, but dudes that are in your place that have, that are part of a church that's been around for a while. Uh, and what, what do they need to hear from you? What, what do they need to be challenged by, uh, from you? Um, well, I think it's a big question. Number one. I mean, I don't, I'd all feel like an authority in that matter, but there is the, from experience, I guess I can speak to that is, you know, first off, um, I think we have to be okay with the risk. Um, we have to be, if you have, I don't care if your church has uh, very little um, financially, uh, what you, you, here it will come down to uh, when, when Moses was at the burning bush and, you know, he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, we see that what God says to him, he's like, well, what do you have in your hand? And he's like, I have a staff. And so he tells him to throw it in the ground, throws the staff in the ground, turns into a snake. He grabs it back up, turns back into a staff. And that's, that's a neat trick. Don't be wrong. It's, it shows that God has the power to do that. But what's more interesting is that that very same staff is what Moses raised over the Red Sea and the sea parted. And it wasn't the staff. I mean, obviously, but God's able to use what you have in your hand for his purposes. And so what resources do you have? Well, I have a building, but it's pretty dated. No one's going to want to. You don't know that. And, and so there's that piece where you have to take what you have in your hand, so to speak, is what God has given you. Now, what's a great need in your area? Well, our, we have. We have a drug problem. Really Recovered is a great way for us to uh, build a partnership. There's no church, deaf church in the, in the Akron area. That's a great way. We, that's a good avenue because I know a guy. Uh, the Filipino piece, that's another thing that just kind of came up out of nowhere. And I believe when we say, well, what do we have in our hand that we can, that, what that God's given us, even if it's just a staff, he, he can part an ocean with a staff. He's given us a building. What can we do with a building? And, and you don't know until you start saying, well, God, what if this is truly yours, which we know it is, what can you do with it? I think what we see happening is God's like, if you're, since your heart's there, let me open some opportunities to you. And the more you're obedient and responding to those opportunities, the more you're going to see kingdom things taking place, kingdom action, kingdom advancement. So often we don't do that. And I think that'd be the, the first thing. The second thing is realize, embrace the differences in culture because the differences in culture might shake up a culture that may be a little too comfortable, maybe even somewhat stagnant in that way. Uh, what we do oftentimes in a church is we like to build a silo. Um, but I, I when during a time of prayer, I, one time recently, I, I saw, I, I, I feel like I saw, I looked down, the, the stream was coming and I saw the word, it was 
parting through the woods, but I didn't see where it started. And I looked down this way and I saw the stream going and there's beautiful places down here. And then I felt like what God was telling me is a lot of times what churches do is we see that the water's coming here, but who knows how long it's going to keep flowing. You know what? Let's, let's dam it up and let's just build this thing so we can keep the reservoir to ourselves. And so often what ends up happening there is you look down here and the word's not flowing. Uh, the trees and the lush greenery and everything else is browning and dying. And here the water's so still that it's grown stagnant. And, and what we need to do is let the dam loose, so to speak, and let this thing flow because God's going to continue to provide. And we have to trust he's going to continue to provide if we just let the thing flow into the areas he's calling us to let it flow into. Um, if there's a deaf church and it blows up and it's fantastic, I, I would even say this. If in 10 years, 10 churches have either been planted or been revitalized and Chapel Hill Church was the part of the, the reason that happened. And the Chapel Hill Church doesn't exist anymore because something happened, but there are 10 churches flowing from it. God be praised. I mean, the Amen. kingdom is advanced. People in my church might, some of them won't like that, but they get the idea. They get the understanding that if it's, if the kingdom is advanced at the cost of Chapel Hill church, then so be it. May God, may Jesus's name be made famous because of the work that his people have done here and the, made the kingdom advance. Yeah. Pastor Adam, it's, it's been a, a joy to hear your heart. And really what I, what I hear is your heart. These, these things are not something you can uh, read in a book or, or purchase uh, in a, in a podcast for all that. I mean, this is a heart that is obtained by reading the scriptures and spending time with Jesus. And it's that what we have is not our own and that the kingdom is big and we're, we're a small part of it. And as long as we share, God is going to work. These are all innate things that I see God doing in your heart. And I, I pray that it, it's what we take away that it, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, 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 we, we go to church planning conferences and we hear the statistics uh, about, you know, what's successful and what's not. And um, if, if we all believed statistics as opposed to the heart of God, we would never plant churches because right. we would, we, you know, it's too risky. Um, but, but we know that we believe in a God who surpasses st t statistics and he loves us beyond that. And as long as we're willing to share He'll blow up the kingdom. And so thank you for your heart. I, I pray that it's a testimony. Um, thank you for joining us. We'll have you back on to tell some more stories about the next Bhutanese church and whoever the heck else are going to plan out of that church. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for joining us and uh, you fellas have a good one. Yep. You as well. You do the same. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to all things church planting. Do you need a friend to change the world with? So do we. Once again, check us out at 80plusmillion.org. Life is too short to plant churches alone. And if we are going to power church planting movement, we are going to do it together. See you next time on All Things Church Planting Podcast.